That's what it's called, pantophobia. Not fear of pants, though, if that's what you're thinking. It's a fear of everything. I think that would scare away any monster. Hello, and welcome to Pantophobia. I'm your host, Jeff Wagg, coming to you from the College of Curiosity. In this episode, we're going to explore monsters of many types. This is Aubrey Henretti. Monsters are like people in a lot of ways. They can be stronger or smarter, or they might have bigger, pointier teeth than we do, but they share many of our least charming personality traits. They're selfish, they get angry, they throw fits and hold grudges, they're cruel, they smash things, all pretty standard people stuff. But unlike people, Monsters where they're scary on the outside. That's why being afraid of monsters feels so right. It can be hard to articulate or even fully understand why we're so scared of ourselves and each other, but monsters? That's easy. This monster eats children. This one is the size of a small house, breathes fire, and can fly. You see a vampire's fangs, and you cover your neck. Stumble on a werewolf when the moon is full? Run for your life. The danger of monsters is clear and present, which can be a refreshing break from the normal-looking humans who threaten our safety in real life. Come and get us, monsters. We're ready. Are we ready? Shows like Scooby-Doo, at least the old ones, taught us that there was nothing behind our fear. Monsters always turned out to be old Mr. Wilkerson in a zombie mask trying to keep people away from a buried treasure. But stories of actual monsters persist, and people are afraid of them. Randy Pischel is the subject of a complete episode of Pantophobia, and you'll find it in the collection. But what he said about his fear bears mention here. This is Randy Pischel. Even as a little kid, I always looked at mysteries and stuff, and... And my dad had claimed to have seen a Bigfoot at one time. And so I was always reading about Bigfoot and other creatures. You know, Michigan has the dog man. There's moth man. You know, there's all kinds of little creatures out there. If we're to believe cryptozoologists, a designation that's more of a hobby than a title, there are monsters in every state of the U.S. And the most prominent of those monsters is Bigfoot. A giant, hairy creature, part ape, part man. Sightings have happened in 49 of the 50 states, with Hawaii still awaiting a visit. In different parts of the country, large, hairy, non-human hominids have different names. In the southeast, they're known as the skunk ape. To further explore the concept of monsters, I decided to go looking for one. Deep in the Everglades, a man by the name of Dave Sheely has set up the world's only skunk ape research headquarters. If you're not familiar with skunk apes, just know that they're the foul-smelling cousin of Bigfoot that lives in swamps of the southeastern United States. Florida seems to be their preferred stomping grounds, and Dave Sheely has devoted his life to studying these creatures from his base in Nochopee. 
Intrigued by the idea of an actual research center for monsters, I visited with the hopes of interviewing Mr. Sheely. It's easy to imagine monsters in the Everglades. After all, this is a land where alligators and even crocodiles make their home. They attack and sometimes kill about a dozen people each year. But if they don't get you, you still have to worry about scorpions, a breeding population of Burmese pythons, and even trees that will kill you if you so much as stand under them in the rain. The road through the Everglades is the so-called Tamiami Trail, a two-lane road with wet alligator habitat on both sides. I watched my cell phone signal drop in and out as I approached Achopi, population 129. It's home to the country's smallest post office and the location of several skunk ape sightings. I'm at the Skunk Ape Research Headquarters. That is a really big alligator. I arrived at the prefab construction just after noon on a quiet weekday. In front was the expected Skunk Ape statue and sign, a Florida requirement for all tourist attractions. It turns out that the Research Headquarters is also a campground with eco-tours offered by airboat and swamp buggy. These vehicles were used for the special two-day skunk ape tours that Mr. Sheely conducted occasionally. Just beyond the door marked exhibit entrance, I came upon a large but poorly lit gift shop featuring skunk ape bumper stickers, beer koozies, and t-shirts, as well as various parts of alligators made into back scratchers and business card holders. In one dusty corner was a plaster cast of a skunk ape footprint, some photos, and a few dozen copies of Dave Sheely's hand guide to skunk ape hunting. This wasn't quite the overwhelming evidence of an extant non-sapiens hominid that I'd been hoping for. But towards the back was another area that demanded a $5 fee for entrance. I'd come this far, so I paid my money and ventured inside. In this dusty shed were dozens of caged animals. Pythons, boa constrictors, and parrots occupied most of the enclosures. And while I can't say that the animals were in any distress, the rancid smell and lack of light didn't seem very welcoming. Glass doors opened to a garden-like area where some people had gathered. An animal handler was pushing cashews behind his molars where a parrot would retrieve them sticking nearly its entire head into his mouth. Shana, this is your last cashew. You're going to have to dig it out. 
It's way back there. Dave Sheely, it turns out, was not on the premises that day. And I didn't care. Having seen the facility, it's safe to say that I wasn't going to encounter a monster there. I was looking in the wrong place. It's hard to find anything without knowing what you're looking for. So we asked a panel of monster experts to tell us what they look for in a monster. Hi. I'm Aubrey, hello. Hi, Aubrey. On a crisp fall day in Evanston, Illinois, a group of neighborhood kids had gathered to make monster toast as they painted scary faces on their bread with a little milk, a few drops of food coloring, and a dozen tiny brushes. These scholars of monstrosity shared their insights with us. That's weird. What's your name? Naomi. Alyssa. Lila. Nina. Okay. That's a good name. Joanne! <laughs> so do you guys know the names of some monsters? Yeah. Oh yeah, this one is tasty. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, tell me, go ahead, one. just shout out some oh, names yeah. of monsters. Chucky's a doll. What's his name? No, Noggin. He like has no head and like kicks people's hats on Halloween. Wow. The boogeyman. He goes around in the middle of the night and kidnaps kids. Yeah, you know. What is? Turkey. I saw. I saw a picture and it was not creepy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That doesn't mean they have to look creepy to be creepy. That's the thing. If they don't look creepy, they you don't think they're gonna do anything bad. Which monsters only come out at night? Um, Dracula definitely only does because of the Or werewolf. Yeah, werewolf. Frankenstein. No. Mm -hmm. Frankenstein is not creepy because Abigail. Just, you, Abby. you don't even know what it is. Yeah. Yeah, because it's not real. 
So if you guys, let's say you guys were going to become monsters, you could become any monster you wanted, which monster would you want to be? Werewolf. I would like to be a Godzilla. monster. You don't want to be a monster? I do. You want to be a monster. Can you go down? Is it just too hard to decide? Too many options? Yes, you're a zombie. You want to be a zombie? Yeah. That's so cute. You've been playing Plants vs. Zombies. This is my Do you think goalies look like monsters? No! Yes! yes. Goalies, goalies protect the goal! They don't eat the ball when it comes. Yes, yes, yes. They haven't seen Friday the 13th. No, no. <laughs> Can you guys make monster noises for me? Which one of you can be the scariest monster? All right, show me. Wow, that's not that scary. <laughs> so why do you guys think that little kids are scared of monsters and big kids aren't? So who said they saw a monster? Me. What? Me. I saw a clown. That's I close saw, enough. I saw Godzilla. Which monster did you see? I saw, I saw, oh, I on the saw spot. a slime. <laughs> <laughs> I, saw, I, saw, I saw a monster made out of slime coming out to I my bed. I found a creeper. Oh. I saw a zombie in Minecraft. I saw creeper. a TV and in Minecraft. <laughs> I saw a creeper. scary monster. And his, and his name is Who lives under your bed? A monster! Skeleton! Mutant spider! Slide monster! A very cute monster! Is it the same monster that lives in your closet? Yeah! Yes. Yes. In my closet? That's giant mutant spiders live in there, and then under my bed, little mutant spiders. In my bed is the cousin of the guy in my closet, which is still a very cute monster. I have, I have a skeleton and a mummy in my, I have a mummy in my closet. What was the scariest movie you ever saw? Uh, what's the, Sesame Street! Well, do you know why Sesame Street's scary? Because it's full of monsters. Did you guys know that Elmo is a monster? Yes. No. Yes. Yeah. It's obvious. Yeah. 
Who else is a monster on Sesame Street? You! You! It's the true. cookie monster! The cookie monster. Who else? Goof! Ernie! 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 Do you think Big Bird's a monster? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you know that... Did... <laughs> yes? Oscar the Grouch? I know. Did you know that Big Bird is a canary? Yeah. Yeah. What's a canary? It's a yellow bird. So have you guys ever been afraid of the dark at night? No. Never ever? Kind of. When I was about four and three. When I was four years old. But now you're not. Two. So why do you think that little kids are afraid of the dark and grown-ups aren't? Because if I come down and eat them. Because of the shadows. The shadows are scary? Why? So if you saw if you saw a monster in your room, what would you do? I would um attack it. I would scream. I would attack it. I would kick it. In Wait the a face. minute. You guys know how to scream? Okay. Screaming accomplished. I think I think that would scare away any monster that was in your room. I wouldn't I would scream. I would attack it. I would go out and do a karate kick. Where do you think I could find monsters if I wanted to find a monster? You have a squid in your closet? You may have noticed that with a few notable exceptions like Godzilla and Dracula, the kids thought of monsters as the ones they see in the media they consume. Chucky and Annabelle, while inappropriate for kids, do resonate with them as they involve a doll. Zombies and creepers are common characters in the game Minecraft, and even Donkey Kong earned a mention. But missing were Bigfoot and any mention at all of human monsters. These kids were in a group where it was probably uncool to mention whatever fears you might have publicly. They also pointed out that monsters were fake, which gives credit to their parents for not overusing the concept of the boogeyman to enforce desired behaviors. My wife Jennifer has a story about her parents trying to use this anxiety to their advantage. They tried to scare us just a little bit. Oh, that sounds so mean. Anyway, um, yes, giant turtle under the bed. Don't go under the bed looking for presents because there is a giant turtle under there. Now, I suspect that if I asked my mother today, do you remember telling us about the giant turtle under your bed? She would say, you dreamt it. I seriously think she would be like, nope, we never did that. But I know they told us that there was a giant turtle under the bed and we wouldn't go underneath the bed because there was a giant turtle under there. Even though we knew there was no giant turtle under there, but we were warned about the giant turtle, so we didn't go under the bed. I don't like this forest. It's it's dark and creepy. Of course, I don't know, but I think it'll get darker before it gets lighter. Do 
Do you suppose we'll meet any wild animals? Mm, we might. Animals that, that eat straw? Uh, some, but mostly lions and tigers and bears. Lions? And tigers? And bears. <gasps> lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. 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 Kids are afraid of monsters because it makes sense to be. Throughout most of human history, it was absolutely deadly for a child to wander off into the wilderness alone, where, indeed, lions and tigers and bears might literally eat them. The fear of such things is innate, and in today's much safer world, parents have to combat this fear with nightly rituals of closet searching, reminders that Sesame Street characters are monsters and they're friendly, and even such creative devices as monster spray, which is often a can of air freshener with a custom label that guarantees no monsters could possibly survive in its presence. But as adults, what are we really afraid of? We took a field trip to talk about it. So we're here in Rose Hill Cemetery, and we're standing on the grave of Peter S. Olson, who died in 1923. He was apparently a Shriner from his tombstone here. This cemetery, this is the one in Chicago where they've been having clown sightings. I don't so. like that. <laughs> People have been seeing clowns in the cemetery at night. Well, a particular clown. Well, we can assume it's the same clown, but well, we can't I don't know. think there's ever been multiple seen at once anyway. Well, I suppose that's true, but it's after hours. The park is closed, the gate is locked, and there are clowns in the cemetery. Are you suggesting there is not some sort of clown turf war going on here at the cemetery? <laughs> the, this cemetery is not the one with Showman's Rest where the dead clowns are. So we, we can assume it's not a ghost unless there is a particular clown ghost here. Well, thank well, goodness. This one, this one there has been footage of and light clearly reflects off of him. The, <laughs> yeah. the, it's not a vampire. It's the, yes, he's not self-illuminating. He's not... Uh, Vector that, that fluoresces night. Also, there are not ghosts. Like, do we have to say <laughs> yes. that? Do we have to be like, also, there's no way it was a ghost because there are not ghosts. But apparently, there are clowns. And this uh, one is a decidedly creepy looking clown. Have you seen a the photographs or the video yes. of him? And so that you know, this is not funny clown. No, no, he's intentionally, or, or she is making themselves up to be, Could be extra scary. I don't think a woman would do this. Just going to throw out, I don't mean to be a gender essentialist, but I cannot imagine a woman existing who would dress up like a creepy clown and walk around at a graveyard. I just don't think that's a thing. You could be the first. I could be, but I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Thus proving my point. We're being invaded by geese. Have clowns become monsters? 
I think that particular one has intentionally. I mean, if we think about graveyards, graveyards have an association with monsters. It's where vampires hang out and, and werewolves, apparently. And probably because we associate graveyards with night and we associate werewolves with night. And lonely places, because there generally aren't people. Well, there are, but... But they're creepy. They're under the ground. They're, <laughs> they're lots of people. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, they're not exactly people anymore either. They're, they're people-ish. Just, yeah. yeah. And and the people who are there aren't living, and the people who are moving around who are there, if they also aren't living, I think that pretty much says they're monsters. Mm, yeah, I would agree with that. Cemeteries, obviously, it's they're full of dead people, so they're places of dread. They're not places of happiness. They're not a place you go to be happy generally. Although that whole cultural revolution of turning cemeteries into parks kind of changed that, where suddenly it wasn't just a place to put your dead people, it was a place to recreate. Well, this cemetery is decidedly from that era. Yeah, I mean, this cemetery's got nice, old, mature trees. We're standing under a nice rock maple tree. There's a nice white cedar there, some oaks. I mean, it's a nice place to be. I think. Well, as long as you're not creeped out by a bunch of corpses underground, yeah. I mean, right now, I don't have any sense of dread at all being here. And I, I imagine that if I were here at night, like it's, you know, 2 o'clock in the morning, I still wouldn't. I would. Would you? Mm-hmm. I'd be creeped out. I can't help it. Just because you're in a cemetery? Yep. My mom would take us to on picnics to old cemeteries when we were children, which is probably one of the coolest things my mom ever did <laughs> in hindsight. <laughs> Just because it was, it was very quiet and calm. And no one would bother us, and because they would think we were visiting a dead relative, so that would be kind of. Uh, That's an interesting. Point. Oh wait, so you weren't visiting? You would just be like, "We're going on a picnic, and it's going to be in the cemetery." Yes. It wasn't like a relative's grave nearby. No, no. I don't think. I think maybe once it was a relative's grave, but otherwise it was just, "Oh, well, that one's cool and old." This, this particular cemetery. I don't know if this is true of other cemeteries because I haven't been to a lot, but. Uh, it's got a certain squishiness when you walk on the yeah, ground. Yeah, no, it's true. And I, it makes me feel like if I were here at night, at some point my foot would fall through that squishiness and right into a coffin. Just that. Just a hand. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would be scared in here if it was night, not because it's a graveyard, but because I know they lock the gates. So if you were in here at 2 a.m., you would know that no matter what, you're stuck in here until whenever it opens. I don't know, 8 a.m. at least. Uh, no, there's, yeah, unless, I don't have a problem with destroying some of their property to get out. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'd be fine. My but car might be a little messed up. That's true. There's three kinds of fear to have here. There's the, the fear of being disrespectful to the dead, which in and of itself is interesting because they're dead. They generally don't care. But it's a social fear. You would be shamed in the eyes of the living for doing. That's right. I wouldn't. Want, I don't care about the corpses. I'm worried that somebody might come up who, who like has who's invested in somebody who's buried here, who's like, why are you near my relatives' grave? Because people get weird about that. That's true, and yet this is a very social place. It's a whole bunch of people gathered together in one place for eternity. So that's a little bit interesting. It's, I mean, and that's that's mostly because of practicality. Well, not eternity. I mean, the sun's going to blow up in well, that's true. a few billion years. <laughs> yeah, we might, so. we might be standing at the bottom <laughs> of an inland, in, you know, a, a shallow sea again in and, uh, 50 billion. And in Chicago, we have a history of saying, yeah, yeah, it's a graveyard, but it would be really nice to have a shopping mall there, wouldn't it? <laughs> 
just kind of take or, away the tombstones. Or a giant park, yeah. Yeah. This is happening That's before. a lot of a number of the graves from Lincoln Park ended up here, which is why this ah. is a, uh, a Civil War cemetery. Right, right. So they've actually, some of these bodies have been laid to rest twice. I think one of the things that's inherently creepy about graveyards is it's such an unusual space to be in. There's nothing else that we encounter in the world that's like this. Typically they're flat, maybe a little bit hilly, but there are rows and rows of stones, so there's this sense of, of ritual power, and then there are very few people. Yeah, no human sounds. Generally. Yeah. The, 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 the airplane notwithstanding. Yeah. And just these little teeny tiny glimpses of people's lives. And the kid who died at five, why? The beloved mother who was born in Paris. The, you know, yeah. That's it. Their whole their whole life has just been brought down. The to, biographies. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very interesting point. From where I'm standing right now, I see just names. I see Morris, Ross. Jacobs, Strickler, Andrews, Toms, Kohlberg, Romke, Hiller, Haynes, Hop, mostly um, European sounding names, but that's it. They're just names. And all these names, actually, I think in this part of the cemetery, all these names represent entire families, not just people, not just individuals. There's something here that reminds us that life is different than death. Life is, life is the, the temporary anomaly in an eternity of non-life. That's true. Life is what's unusual. Life is the strange thing. That tracks. Yeah, there were, there were 13 and some change billion years without Mark, and there will be a trillion, trillion years after Mark. If you're lucky. Care about them. <laughs> maybe five years after Mark. Mark. Five minutes. I, I am not in a position to to object. So, so how do these existential fears and such? How do they get turned into monsters? Well, it's hard to get your mind around not being alive forever, but you can get your mind around a monster. Like with the vampires, we're both desirous of and fearful of everlasting life. You know, that's true. We, we've created a creature that lives forever, but that's a bad thing. And I think the, um, the sexiness of vampires, if you will, is a, a phenomenon of Bram Stoker. I don't know that that existed before him. I think before that, vampires, which were real to people. I mean, that's something we have to consider. Vampires were real. They were an actual thing. And, and a lot of graves that they dig up, uh, they were prepared as though the victim... The, the dead person was a vampire. You've heard of, um, have you heard of shroud eaters? No. No. For whatever reason, they would dig up old graves, put them in shrouds. A shroud's just a, a bag, a cloth. And then all around the mouth of the, of the dead person would be chewed cloth. So their interpretation was is that the corpse was chewing on the cloth. Of course, we now understand that it was bacteria working on the cloth, because the cloth was a natural material like wool or cotton probably wool bacteria from the mouth would eat through the cloth but back then that was a sign that this was a vampire trying to get out of its grave so they would take a brick 
and hammer it into the mouth of the corpse. Oh. <laughs> now the corpse is dead, right? But that would prevent it from being able to chew its way out of the crowd and also prevent it from being able to bite people if it ever did get out. So were these people who they suspected to be vampires before they were buried? No, well, in some Or were cases, they just like, we're, yeah. just to make sure this person doesn't rise up out of the grave, we're going to put this brick in their mouth? And we don't really know exactly, but, uh, you know, it could be both. We do know that they dug up graves and were aware of this phenomena called shroud eating. Hmm. And we do know that there were people buried with bricks in their mouths. Didn't some cemeteries use both headstones and footstones? The headstones aren't there to mark the grave, even though we use them that way. They're there to keep the ghost in the grave. The idea of putting a heavy stone on the grave is the idea is do you want to keep the spirit in the grave so it won't walk the earth? And then uh, in Irish tradition, there are two stones. You have a headstone and a footstone because you don't want to take any chances with those Irish ghosts. <laughs> Gonna weigh down the face and the feet. That's right. And they were really short. So, like, everyone's nutrition was bad in the 1700s, but if you were the most recent immigrant group, you might have been even poorer than everyone else, yeah, so they maybe didn't grow as tall as they would have otherwise. I mean, something killed you. <laughs> uh, there's the guy walking around the cemetery. See, if my glasses were that totally looks like some shambling figure <laughs> towards us. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. So you were right, it was a shambling. <laughs> <laughs> so what other uh, associations are there with cemeteries and monsters? Or the concept of monsters? I think it might have been an ancient mashup of sorts, right? So like a cultural tradition mashup because people are scared to die and they're scared of monsters. What would be the scar scariest thing possible? Monsters in a graveyard. Monster of death. Yeah, in the, in the dead people field, yeah. I mean, imagine if you really thought that there were souls trying to escape from the ground. That would be a very scary place. And yeah. then on top of that, you're like, what if we also had monsters there? So I have to run from monsters and avoid the undead. And, and we're concentrating all of our existential fear of death into one spot in town. That's true. Could it be that in the modern world, monsters have become a proxy or even a scapegoat for our real fears? Sure, there's the fear of death that we all face. But think about how we refer to really bad people. We call them monsters. And at some level... Aren't people capable of being the scariest things of all? The Partei is Hitler! Hitler aber is Deutschland, wie Deutschland Hitler is! Hitler, die Satan is, admits to being evil. You admit to being evil, Richard? We are all evil in some form or another, are we not? Yes, I am evil. Evil has always existed. The perfect world most people seek shall never come to pass, and it's going to get worse. When I stand on the mountain and I say, do it, it gets done. If it don't get done, then I'll move on it. And that's the last thing in the world you, you want me to do. Yes. You tortured him. Of course. Are you remorseful? Not at all. Why? Why would I be? Why did you guys want to kill me? 
Phoenix wanted to kill me. What's the difference? Everybody has a reason to kill. My reason might not be good to you, but your reason wasn't good to me. You'll have the great pleasure of voting for the man that will easily go down as the greatest president in the history of the United States. Me, Donald John Trump. Sorry, monsters, but we've got you beat. Don't worry, though. Our panel of monster experts knew exactly how to deal with monsters. They ate them. Thanks to Jennifer Newport for being part of this episode and to bensound.com for providing much of the music. Thanks also to the wonderful kids Julian, Rebecca, Lila, Naomi, Alyssa, Nina, Leon, and Eli, as well as parents Andrew and Francesca, who allowed us to make a lot of monsters in their yard. Our hosts are Aubrey Henretti, Mark Gronke, and myself, Jeff Wagg. This has been a production of the College of Curiosity. You can find us on Facebook and at collegeofcuriosity.com. Hey there, Jeff again. I'd just like to let you know that we have a trip for the curious planned for the first weekend of August 2016. We'll be taking over a dark sky site high in the Colorado Rockies for some exploration and astronomy. During the day, we'll visit some local sites, such as Wolf Mountain, where we may have a close encounter with actual wolves, and Bishop's Castle, one man's hand-built fortress in the sky. Then we'll gather for a meal and talk about how ancient Americans viewed the stars, and get some instructions for how to use the array of telescopes we'll have set up. If the weather cooperates, and it's likely to, we should be able to see things such as Pluto, nebulae, and galaxies, and the amazing glow of our galactic disk, known as the Milky Way. Space is unlimited, but we only have room for so many. Full details are available at collegeofcuriosity.com. We hope you can join us.